Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash for your free audiobook download. It's April 11th, 2013. This is Idle Thumbs 101. Idle Thumbs 101. This is Idle Thumbs 101. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Sean Vanneman. Oh, no! Wait, who are you? No! Who's this I, other person? And I'm Jake Rodkin. Uh, last the week, tales have turned. The next 100. <laughs> oh, God, I totally missed it. Wow. <laughs> Did you deliberately just cut in there? No. Oh, no, there was a there pregnant was, pause. pause. Yeah. I, I, oh, disaster. Jake got deer in the headlights. You know what? And fell all the way to the fourth slot. Musical chairs. You just lost. Oh. <laughs> After I talked it up so hard last week, too. Oh, I know. Look how the but mighty has up. fallen. Yeah, I know. Oh, God. Wow. But now you're the final name. Now you're like the guy in the TV credits where it says, like, with and yeah, you know? you're Archie Bunker. I'm, I'm special thanks with video games. No, but that person's always like the distinguished person, right? It's, oh, always, so it's like, like I'm Charlie a Don Sheen Knotts now, yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah, Martin yeah. Sheen. I mean, in in West Wing, you know, right, where it's right. like yeah. they have the whole cast. Then there's there, but... and like with Martin Sheen, you know, and introducing Jake Rodkin <laughs> as the fourth <laughs> as video fourth games chair. Oh, gross! Oh my gosh! Oh. Well done, Nick. Thank you. You saw what was rightfully yours, <laughs> and you seized oh, it. Oh, man. I've been waiting forever. <laughs> Nick always was the second one, and Jake, you were always the last one. Weren't, wasn't that the case? It's true. In the I original, thought... the podcast? What just happened? You I left your name. called someone. Uh, <laughs> because you're Why doing is your... that happening? Because Jake does this thing where he takes his phone <laughs> in and out of his case over and over and over and over again in every situation. He could be at a yeah, funeral, I... and that would happen. That might be a problem. That I yeah. Just <laughs> nothing. <laughs> so this is the best so, yeah. episode. <laughs> this is starting really fast. What did well, I, I thought, Sean, I thought you had something to do. Oh, you got some hilarious. papers. So we got, we get a lot of mail yeah. about business stuff. We don't know a lot about business stuff. <laughs> we don't know anything about business so stuff. So I got this thing that was It's like, a bad idea for us to have started a business. That was like... Uh, zero about business. You need to file your annual business registration papers. Mm. It's like... Papers naturally, business papers. It was from an organization called Annual Business Registry. But it was on California state. Let's just say what it's. We assumed it was from the California State Annual Business Registration, and I think we were right in some some sense, actually. So I fill out all the paperwork. You can see this is like a hefty document. Mm -hmm. I fill out all the paperwork. I I write the check. And then I don't combine the two before sealing the envelope. We have no other (laughs) envelopes in the office. So I rip open the envelope. 
do all this damage. I tape it back up, and then oh god, looks, I wish you could see it. It looks like, it looks the, like the mission has broken into. Oh my god, like, I know. Yeah, and I'm um, a glimpse of this. this is... It says, "I forgot to include your dollars. I am Sean, horrible." Sean literally wrote back. this in pen yeah. on the back on the outside of the envelope, and then asterisk over dollars. Dear thieves, it's not that much, so please don't take them. Also, it's a check. And then, okay, it's actually more than it should be. California government is overregulated and bloated. <laughs> so it goes on. This that's, is all, that's all the note on the tray. That's all it's missing. All it's missing. It's already been defrauded. Right. And yeah, this yeah, is yeah. a while ago. Like all it's missing is says Ron Paul 2012. That's from October. On it. Right? Yeah. It so says Ron Paul 2012. No, 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 that's the no, only no. thing it's missing oh. that I didn't write on the back. <laughs> yeah. So then we get a mail, a big envelope with this inside of it today that says. You've been identified as someone who may have responded to a solicitation that you received in the mail from annual business registration. <laughs> Basically, this is a fraud. This yeah, doesn't let's, exist. Let's, let's point out that this letter that we received is from United States Postal Inspection Service oh, Los Angeles Division, which Whoa. also could be a fictitious organization. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it sounds... But it appears you're... It, this, so these people basically said scans. you're required to pay them. You may, you never have to do that. Visit this website if you actually are concerned oh, wow. about. Yeah, please do not send money, checks, money orders, etc. to similar solicitations. <laughs> so it's so, so funny. Is on the back when I said don't steal the check, it had already been stolen <laughs> by you sending yeah. it. You yeah. in fact yeah, robbing yeah, yeah. yourself. It had already been robbed temporarily. Of this. Yeah, it yeah. is exactly. It is a Bioshock Infinity Infinite yeah. stolen check. Yeah. God, this is a good <sighs> sentence. The solicit the ugh, the solicitation was in the guise of an invoice or false mm. billing and is under investigation for engaging in conducting a scheme or device to obtain money or property through the mail by means of false representations. That's a just a good sentence. Yeah, it's a quality yeah. sentence. Also, anyway. just the crying of Lot Forty Nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah this chapter whole, one. If you're interested in this mail uh, and its reply, <laughs> please listen to the Idol Book Club Crying of Lot Forty Nine episode. <laughs> Signed W. C. Kugel, U.S. Postal Inspector. Wow. God, that's good. Wow. This yep. whole thing is good. We should frame this. Mm. Yeah, I was thinking we would frame it next <laughs> yeah, no, to. We should we should frame it with the back of the envelope visible right, yeah, above yeah, it yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's it's There's like a, it's Idle Thumbs' there. first dollar, but it's Idle Thumbs' first time of accidentally like <laughs> being scammed as a corporate. Yes. Self-submitting to corporate <laughs> sabotage. <laughs> anyway, this is not an open wreck to uh, or an open call to scheme us. No. Please don't. Although we have been getting a bunch of good mail recently. Yeah, we had we got books twice from yeah. uh, both. I think anonymous readers. We already talked about the guy, the first one. Yeah, I think we mentioned that on the book arc. podcast. Yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> we have three hardback copies of Zadie Smith's new novel N.W. Uh, that I guess we're going to have really to good. read. Also, we were sent. Mm. That was Sarah Argadale, right? We were sent a huge envelope full of nerds rope, which is f- amazing. Jake's on his second nerds rope for the <laughs> oh, night. Oh God! <laughs> you know what's funny is I I, I ran into that guy at ropes. PAX, and he said Who? he was going to send. Oh, the nerds rope guy. Yeah, okay. and he said I think he didn't want us to use his name, but like he said he was going to send a bunch of nerds rope. I think he asked what to send maybe, and I might have uh-huh. said send Jake nerds ropes or something. Like I, I definitely had a conversation with him at PAX about this, and I was really amused that he was just that he ended up just sending us like a, basically a case of nerds, nerds ropes. Yeah, yeah, far too many. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, we got cards and <clears throat> some personal notes that were very, very, very nice. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of reminds you, you guys ex- reminds me at least that you guys exist. Which what the reader all... mail doesn't remind you of that? Well, anymore? yeah, but that could you could be making. But that when up. <laughs> when readers <laughs> send us physical gifts and candy, no, then we really know you. Exist. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just want an ice cream truck uh, to pull up outside during it's the middle amazing. of the podcast. Yeah. Um. So we've all kind of finished Bioshock Infinite now. Sort of. Chris. We've finished or observed the ending. All of us. You've absorbed it. All yeah. of us have absorbed Bioshock Infinite. We mm-hmm. have. Uh huh. Should should we? Uh, should we? I was about to start unhinging my jaw. Sorry. Yeah. Are you going to yeah, say? Like, <laughs> I was just going to say. Should we like? We could, after we're done recording, go back and insert a timestamp for when to skip to if you don't want to spoil yourself on Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about spoiler stuff. So you should Until jump. You should jump ahead to thirty nine fifty eight. And at that point, we'll probably be done talking about it. Yeah. Alternatively, jump to Dishonor to timestamp. 2542. To skip all the spoilers. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, turn this podcast off and listen to the giant bomb cast. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't. What? Yeah, what's that? Send them elsewhere. Oh, you'll find that they have a Bioshock Infinite spoiler cast. <laughs> I think they did that sends you back to this one. Yeah. Timestamp. <laughs> For all. Yeah, anyway. So anyway, this podcast has now become the end right. of Bioshock Infinite. This podcast doesn't exist. No. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter where you skip to. You're going to hear the same thing. Right. It's all the same pod. It's all the same discussion. Yeah. Skip to whatever timestamp you want. Um, yeah. I didn't like this video game. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just need to get it out. Yeah. I, think, I think at the end of the day, I didn't either. And... I didn't like Bioshock Infinite personally because, and I'll qualify this by saying people on the internet who have deep dove into every single audio log, every single piece of this, and have sort of gone to the point of creating... Unpacking everything. Unpacking everything and then effectively assembling their own chronology and their own meaning into this game. The reason that I didn't like Bioshock Infinite personally is because it's loud and blustery about meaning a bunch of things but at the end of the day it seems like the actual point of this game is that nothing means anything and that there's no point to anything right and like that well what's the point of that i uh, yeah i mean all of the The only the only reading that i can pull from that is that um the correct ending is the one where the video game didn't exist which Okay. <laughs> right. Weird. Right. You get, the, you get to the end of this thing, and, then the, and then the is the only point valid is, point is to erase the complete right. madness that is. Remember all of that garbage. I mean, stuff that you didn't. It didn't happen because there's uh, there's all of the the racism versus revolutionary stuff, and then that stuff basically collides into so itself toothless, and tur- and turns into nothing. That stuff was really toothless. And then Booker and Elizabeth and Comstock literally all again just collapse down into the same point that has no like I don't I would like to say that I don't get it, but I think that there might not be a whole lot to get other than just a lot of crazy plot noise. And that's it's really It feels tough. like one man's self loathing just created an entire city in the sky <laughs> then ceased then that then deleted itself. That seems to be the story, right? Booker. <laughs> that's yeah. the man who's self-loathing i'm talking about yeah it's a weird it's weird that seems to be the entire plot summary where he's like kind of a drunk kind of a shithead yeah well yeah you know what this game I mean, i'm sorry go ahead. No, go, no let's i was just gonna say i actually um haven't i mean like i've seen all the plot stuff um, there's like a middle 25 percent towards this yeah end of second third act year yeah but i kind of got on. i kind of burned out in finkton 
because I every time I finished another big like the third time I went back through the Finken Hub and had to fight like an entire repopulated hub of guys like man it was really easy. I just did not want to keep easy. fighting this no I know but so it's just fun. like how many guys <laughs> do you have fun. to shoot like many but it's not but I don't think you do right like I feel like this is one of those games where I've talked about this with Mass Effect before as well oh yeah, yeah I know you're and I yeah and I I, I could, yeah I I, be, I bang this drum all the time on on this podcast and I have for years so it's not gonna be surprising to listeners but like uh. <laughs> it yeah um i feel like this is a game where you could seriously like just rip out a lot of it and just no, make it I, I can't stop saying that yeah and just yeah, make it just, better right like just just kill like two-thirds of the combat like, or more if you think about how incredible the first like hour hour and a half of this game is it's like a, it's astonishing yeah. to me like i the 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 high points that this game hits early on are so preposterously high. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it doesn't really get better than that in terms of AAA, right? Like, in terms of, like, a big budget thing where it's, like, a big crazy game with a total nutso production values, like, it would be pretty hard to top a lot of the stuff at the beginning of this game. Like, the yeah. you're walking... Like, look... The way it looks is just impossibly gorgeous. The way it sounds is amazing. Like, the music in this game is by far my favorite thing about it, and I don't say... That's not a backhanded compliment. Like, I actually think all of the music from, like, the original score to the dynamic combat stuff to the arrangements like the period arrangements mm-hmm. of contemporary covers like all that stuff is just executed out of yeah, the fucking park and it's stuff. like also I, the little like stinger accents in combat where mm-hmm. you get a headshot yeah, mm-hmm. it's really good. Yeah, super so amazing good, yeah. like and what's really cool about it is that it's it's like early mid 20th it, it sounds to me like early mid 20th century um like uh, concert music like there's a lot of like weird mm-hmm. atonal stuff in there yeah. which is a little maybe a little bit post what the, the game period is but like still really cool like still really awesome um, it's it's like aurally baroque in composition in a way that complements the insane mm-hmm. visuals mm-hmm. yep it's just that stuff's amazing and i wish that this game didn't feel pressured to be a 10 hour impossibly intricate epic that delves into these like insane plot layers like i wish this game could and i know this is like a just pointless to wish for but like i so badly wish this game had been like a four hour super concentrated not ridiculously combat heavy thing and i i know i would have taken six i was i was thinking about that or something i was thinking about this in terms of the first game because in bioshock one uh, and two because it's the same formula format exactly for a second game but i felt like i knew all of the sort of incidental like sort of secondary and tertiary characters more and the reason oh, why me too. I agree, totally. the reason why is because in bioshock one audio logs are mandatory yes. and the game is deliberately paced around audio logs yes. being mandatory yep. where you yep. pick up a yep. log especially the crit path ones you don't need to dig to find and then the game just gives you time to wander through rapture mm-hmm. as you're hearing a character tell you a story yeah. or maybe you're like poignantly fighting a couple guys when someone is telling you a story about their own destruction in Bioshock Infinite, it feel it felt like they said no one wanted to listen to those anyway, so they made them optional and replaced them with Booker and Elizabeth, except as the internet will angrily tell you if you tell them that Bioshock Infinite makes no sense, the plotting of the game, all all of the intricacies yeah. of the plot are in audio logs. Yep. And Which was, Liz will just talk right over. Like, right, that's, just, that's, oh, that's, oh, that happens so the, many times. The end of the yeah. game is when that's actually the worst. When your mission is to find the, those three tears that contain Elizabeth's past, the tears have audio flashbacks in them, and then when the tears close, an audio log falls out of the, of the tear. And well, you there's pick, one around there generally. I, Mine were like around. Oh, there. I couldn't. I didn't find them until the audio was done. So maybe I just didn't oh, I notice. I picked up one before. But I, I heard that audio. 
I looked down because I think just because the terror was gone, it was the thing that was the most visually noticeable. And I looked around the environment, found an audio log, hit J, and then it was like Comstock giving you some A-level plot shit about Elizabeth's life. And then Elizabeth just talks over it. And that would have never happened in Bioshock 1. The 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 pacing of the narrative elements is is an it's just oddly done. It's just kind of badly done. Especially mm-hmm. at the end of this game when it feels like it's tripping over itself to get oh, as much yeah. plot into you as it possibly can. Yeah. Well, Having a rip and a character talking and an audio log all like coexisting in the same three square feet, I don't think Bioshock One would have ever done that. It doesn't help also that the character like um guys like Slate and and Comstock um and Fink themselves are to me, just not really as interesting as They're most of the characters in Bioshock. Like, both even Slate think and Fink, felt their like. whole jam is just like sending guys at you so you can kill them. Like they both want the same thing, which is for you to kill their own guys in by in droves. Which is very weird. Right. Like that's a weird character motivation for multiple guys to have. You know, like that's that's very yeah. like excuse to fight a million guys. Yeah. Which I don't know. But and I, also Fink didn't feel fully realized or complex or interesting at all i feel like that whole like think felt to me like the biggest cartoon of all i think that whole area though to chris's point if they had cut two-thirds of the combat out and had replaced that stuff with you walking through the changed versions of reality and just hearing audio and that just being experiential Mm -hmm. stuff absolutely yeah because the whole point of that was, it seemed like, was to feel the difference in the world and to notice the subtle changes and the big yeah, changes. Yeah, but when you're fighting a million but guys, then it's you're just, just like, yeah, like okay. um, just I don't know. There's just so many things that I think are fundamentally, just from a storytelling perspective, that really kind of drive me bonkers in this game. Like I think the introduction of the tears, just as a device, just as I know it's the whole thing, just sits upon this these slips in reality that you can move through and experience different timelines. You're already on a floating city in the sky. Yeah. What? Like, it's just, and that was sort of the thing. Like, when I remember first playing Bioshock, and there's sort of this, I have this feeling about a lot of, like, sci-fi horror, I guess. When some somebody tells a story that has this, like, tiny, like, little germ molecule of, I can imagine our world having this inside of it. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being whenever the first Harry Potter book came out, reading that and being like, oh man, like there's this tiny glimmer of like, you know, I go to this one train stop and I do this one thing. And there was something about Bioshock like that. Like that's well, kind of what the, there could be a city light, out lighthouse there. is. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's just a, there's just a lighthouse and a city down below, but then in infinite, it's just so just light. It feels like, a cake with icing and icing and so much icing on it that it, now there's just like a little like cupcake inside of what, a full-sized cake of yeah. made of icing. That's actually it just I, feels so stacked. I know that I, I don't liked know, yeah. I liked Looper more than I think I don't know who. Oh, I liked Looper it. a lot, but it was only Looper. about that. It wasn't no, also it wasn't. In, that was the the biggest criticism yeah. leveled against Looper is it's got the time looping thing, but then also for no reason it has levitation and telekinesis. Oh yeah, and, that's and a, and a crazy. No, 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 no. That psychic like, kid was really bad. And like that's just, true. Had Looper just been about a guy yeah. meeting himself in a time loop, that would have probably been enough. But then they had to also put yeah, in, like, like I didn't like, mind it. the chosen kid and like all yeah. that stuff. I, would, yeah, I didn't yeah, like that. That's that. true. I mean, the, the I was thinking about the setting, the sort of like meta Bioshock as a franchise reasons for the terrors existing makes sense. But I, I feel like it. There's a simpler game here that probably would have been as or more effective than what was there, but, you know, Bioshock Infinite is a game. I will say, so, one of the many spoilers, when you blink back to Rapture for a few minutes, 
What a charming, I was just, what a charming moment. Yeah, I was just. I mean, you saw like my entire like. I don't know if that sounded sarcastic, but it wasn't. No, my entire like. like I knew that would be good changed. too. Like, sorry that I'm a dork. Yeah. I was waiting, waiting, waiting oh, no. for you to just pop into rapture yeah. for a second so that you could just yeah. go. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, so nice. Yeah. But I mean, that's I, that's sort of crappier though, right? Like. Yeah, that's sort of crappy. If the best part of the game is actually the the eight year old <laughs> like sliver that I have such fond feelings for. I don't know, man. This really. I don't know, I said this, it's funny, as I said this this morning before I finished the game, I was think I was probably... Drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I don't know, I was probably two and a half hours from finishing the game, and I came into work, and I think I said to you or somebody, Nick, I said, man, this game's mechanic, it, the, the, the story of this game just really doesn't want to be a first-person shooter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just really can't handle it. Like, yep. The story can't handle it. And then I finished yeah. the game... And I still believe that, but I don't, I believe it less because I don't think the story was being held back by the fact it was a first person shooter completely. It definitely was a lot, but I also think the story is just really convoluted Yeah, at its core. I still think I mean, that, I still think that's an issue though. I mean, I think like having to start from a standpoint of this game's going to be a first person shooter instead of this game's going to be what the game needs to be in order to do the thing the right. game's about is just... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, triple A like, to genre rules. How do you, yeah, how, just designing I mean, AAA, I don't even know how you get around from that away from that because budgets are so big and risks are so high that you need to make as many things like just guarantees as you possibly can. Because right. God knows Infinite was already hard as hell to make. Like that game was already an incredibly difficult development prospect without having to say like let's rethink the entire gameplay premise yeah, of this thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's I still can't, I still don't it doesn't change my mind about thinking that it uh-huh. it shouldn't have. You know, like it's just it's hard to say shouldn't have, but like when I was playing it as a shooter, there were a lot there were so many times where I'm like, I just want to walk around this place. Bioshock Infinite having all these weird things where reality starts tearing itself apart, it would have been interesting and weird if the meta commentary of this game had been that. Like if the mechanics had effectively started it, tearing themselves start, out. Suddenly yeah. you're in an arc, mm. like a Dota style game or something. Yeah, and they're like I don't know, controlling just, Booker and Liz around. Just if you end up, I, I God, that would have been crazy. No one would ever do that. No. That'd be amazing. If you had just weirdly <laughs> been separated from all weird violent stuff and it just turned into another right. thing for a little while and then you end up getting slammed back into a thing where a giant robotic George Washington is chain gunning your face and yeah. then you get you know the lighthouses are just tower defense yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's funny yeah, I mean I, it just I don't know what you do if your only verb is to shoot you're kind of screwed yeah it's I true. mean I kind of you, was, have, two, I was, you I spent, have two verbs you have to shoot and F key which is to search garbage can for yeah, hot dog to, or fro- hug frob something yeah or F, F key is press F to story basically yeah, like yeah yeah there but, was uh, I was trying I've spent like so this is a little a little uh, glimpse into my life I spent like an hour trying to write a tweet I didn't ever get it finished <laughs> <laughs> but I was Not trying to world. basically say that's your most retweeted like if tweets you, and another like if you accidentally bump somebody's car, mm-hmm. like let's say you're getting out of your car, right? And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, one of the verbs I use is open and swing the door and bonk. You bonk like, oh my God, I dented that guy's car. That same accident as Booker DeWitt is you blow a hole in the side of his car because the only <laughs> verb you have is to shoot. Yeah. So like, oh, she, you know, like, so I made, I was playing, I was in um, Shantytown and there's the food with the people who are like, there's other people who are trying to um like get food out of the, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. out of a vending machine or something and then you, you can open up the potato rip yeah but and when i went to do that i kind of screwed up and uh as opposed to saying x to open the you rip ate all the potatoes no i stole this lady's purse oh no <laughs> and she turned on me and i murdered them all so i just murdered all these poor people these poor irish people these poor black people 
And I stood there and I was like, I was just trying to get you a potato. <laughs> I pressed F on the wrong thing. So then I just restarted. You're just like. I literally went back. I couldn't handle it. It was like, I just went back and yeah. did it. Yeah. But I just kind of like, as opposed, I was looking at you, Chris, and as opposed to saying, hi, Chris. Like I just, hit the button inside of me and off. I went, yeah. <laughs> this is still sorry. I stole the nerds rope off the table here. <laughs> and then you were like, Hey, my nerds rope. I and bet I shot you, like, you. I bet you decapitated like half those people too. Their heads are super soft. Yeah. They just sort of. The yeah. heads themselves are pretty solid. It's the necks that are just like perforated. Yeah. Yeah. Those they're easy, easy tear. Pop right off. You guys didn't hear that audio log about that. <laughs> <laughs> about how in this world. Yeah. yeah. Necks are pre-perforated. Yeah. It's weird. Mm-hmm. They're perforated. You know what? Somebody I was talking. I mean, that, to... that was. I'm sorry, real quick. That no. was a thing. I may, I forget if I mentioned this last week or not. But like, just to add on to my existing combat fatigue, just which would have happened. Oh, your combat I think, fatigues. Like <laughs> to add to my combat I'm sorry, fatigues. My first person nice shooter pants. battle uh, <laughs> weariness. Um, the like it's battle weariness. Oh, sorry. My first person shooter battle fatigues. <laughs> <laughs> My combat fatigues. Yes. Uh, uh, I was wearing my combat fatigues, and then I was really tired of fighting in Bioshock Infinite while I was You got all them. dressed up for it yeah, and everything. Yeah, I was super into it at first. Um, but, like, there were two axes of that. The one axis was, like, I really did get tired of just having so many – like, having to kill so many people, just so many people. Um, and then the, But then the other axis was, like, just how much the game reveled in it with just heads popping off like instantly, like, just the brutality of it. Almost cartoonish brutality, but the yeah. rest of the game didn't seem to reflect that cartoonishness. It's not like this game felt like a Looney Tunes cartoon to me, except that people's heads they, moments. They, I don't they popped wanna, off like it was intense. I don't want to keep cartoons. bringing up Bioshock One because that game, it's still a goddamn video game. It's, it's video gamey up the wazoo. But and maybe again, maybe this is because I was younger. Maybe it's because a game like Bioshock didn't exist <clears> at the time. But killing splicers and killing big daddies, both were presented by the game and also by me for quite a long time, it, like or represented internally by me as a sad thing. Mm. Like well, especially Big Daddies. Like Splicers yeah. were still fucked. Like I felt horrible because you'd hear them have like the weird cogent moments where like a couple would sort of break into normal conversation for a second and then would freak out again and then you'd kill them and you're like, but I just overheard you guys being normal. Uh, but they, then Big yeah. Daddies were just a disaster. Right. right. You but, couldn't yeah. communicate with them, right? You couldn't there yeah. was, you didn't miss the I wish I could press Y to be like, hey, 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 hey. Let's let's just maybe wait a minute because they weren't as creatures receptive. But what was cool is that they could communicate with you effectively in the, just through body language and through right. like right. Big know, Daddies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Big Daddies and Splicers. They both kind of had this sort of predatorial. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the know. Big Daddies to me were like, I, mean, I guess they were all tragic figures in a way. But like, you get you do get more desensitized to killing Splicers because there are just a lot more of them. Yes, mm-hmm. but um, I I didn't feel bad. When my skyhook buried its face or buried well, itself that's into a the weird face, thing. Into like a dad's face. The very first splicer or the first notable one is that there's a, a couple before it, I guess, but like the the stupid baby carriage mm-hmm. thing. Like that's the first time you really see one of them as a mm-hmm. person, and then it turns into a wacky. Yeah. Blah! Well, yeah, but right. you know, it's, you know, it's the, a funny distinction between the two games is that in Bioshock Infinite, the people you're killing are these like tragic former, uh, you know, formerly like lucid you know, aspirational people living in the city. But in Bioshock Infinite... I mean, Bioshock 1... Sorry, you said Infinite. In Bioshock oh, I'm sorry. In Bioshock yeah. 1 is what I was just talking about, and 2. But, I, but like, in Bioshock Infinite, with the exception of weird things like, Sean, what you described, where you killed all the people who just wanted some potatoes, like, the... They turned on me fast, though. Well, yeah, that's what happened. Like, <laughs> a lot of... Like, most of the time in Infinite, you'll be walking around the city, and there will be 
people just enjoying their day, like normal people. Right. And then like something happens, like you do you do something or like someone notices you or whatever, and then just bam, those people are gone. Like yeah. they have <laughs> We were talking about this. Yeah. We were talking about this because I said that I thought that it was insane that Columbia I mean, how many how many cops do you think you killed in Bioshock Infinite? I would say three hundred. At least, More. at least, I, it's weird. That, it's weird that Columbia has a police force right, of yeah. three to five hundred police. All of whom well, are way more than that, right? Because those are just the ones you encounter. Right. But like, there's tons, five thousand police officers. Of police all officers. of whom are willing to run straight into a bullet. But Chris, I think it, I think it was you and I who who were surmising that the reason that the <laughs> the, the reason that the population disappears. <laughs> And the police all show up is because Columbia actually has a volunteer police force. So the moment violence breaks out, all those people run. Just rip off the clothes. They run into all the locked doors that you can't see, change into their police officers. Where my combat fatigues? Yeah, and they just come barreling out as fast as they can. Like, yeah. there's just a, a montage in the DLC of just, like, 3,000 racks of guns with this hand out there, <laughs> grabbing all of them. Like, 300 people putting on wacky constable hats and stuff, and then just, like, running straight yeah. into your bullet. Uh... I was imagining it just tear away cl- like everyone just at oh. all times has two. Right. two when your sets camera's of not looking, yeah. they're not looking at them. Yeah, just they all just creepy buttons popping all over the place, just like just <laughs> hats flying. Like, just, yeah. Oh like god. Four guys like the four barbershop guys. Right, the barbershop like, guys all have all the sort of <laughs> choreographed move where like one guy pulls the hat out from behind someone else and puts it onto his friend as as he's like changing out of his clothes. Like, uh, yeah. Sadly, the barbershop quartet were not later singing cops in an action sequence because that would have been <laughs> oh, amazing. God. Oh, man. God, how good is that barbershop? The God Only Knows cover? Oh, yeah. That's all that stuff in that whole part of that game is just like so yeah. mind-blowingly good to me. It's it, like it makes me actively sad to like yeah, yeah, be yeah. as bummed out about the rest of this game as I am, especially because like, you know, I mean, I have just being totally honest, like the people who worked on this game, I worked with them and they're fucking talented beyond belief. Like there's so much talent who worked on this game and like it shows in so many ways. It's just it frustrating that the way it comes together. Even works. in the section that I liked the least, I still was marveling at how technically ambitious and impressive it was. Yeah. Was, that, mean, it's the, uh, the, was that the, 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 airship, the final Zeppelin the final battle? Zeppelin yeah, it's just yeah. like, my God. The, the fighting with Lady Comstock and the ghosts... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Also, oh, that's my not... favorite cover band in this oh, yeah, game. Oh, yeah, Lady Comstock and the Ghosts. They're the guys who perform most of the music in oh, the game. Oh, yeah, right. Um, Lady Comstock and <laughs> they the They do a the drag guys. show once a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, Comstock's not big on it. No. Um, <laughs> but the, um, those sequences were, I think, the only place that I actually... Whatever it was about the way those sequences were put together, I was really engaged in the combat during that part of the game. Hmm. I don't know why, because there's... There was, so was I, though, but I think it's was, because I just went... <gasps> Oh, it's just Indiana Jones. No, I think it's I think it's a ghost. I think it's because there were two there was when there's like the Patriots or whatever they're called. The founders. The, the the big metal George Washington the yeah, oh, Abraham the Lincoln mechanized, mechanized Patriots. Yeah. When there's the mechanized patriots or when there's the handyman, it's very hard for me to engage in like sort of multi tiered combat because the handyman just fucking jumps right in your face and starts punching you so you just have to deal with him and same with the patriots they basically just come up to your face whereas in that ghost uh ghost lady comstock stuff she has her own agenda which occasionally involves deliberately attacking you but she's mostly off sort of spawning guys so she's like i felt like i actually had multiple objectives at once in a combat scenario Mm -hmm. and i think that it actually made me like i was going behind cover and waiting for my shield to recharge for the one only time and stuff and it it kind of made me a little bit sad yeah um so lady comstock was mechanically poignant 
I appreciated that, and then I realized I was shooting a ghost, and it's still also just you, do, you do you do use because that's right when you get the um the vigor that is the one that Elizabeth used in the original trailer, where you can collect all of the bullets and then send them back at something. Yeah. Oh, and, I never used that one once. Oh, that is a really fun one. Although yeah, I I liked Gravity Well in Minerva's Den more for for a similar thing, mm. but uh. Yeah, I was collecting a bunch of bullets that ghosts were shooting at me, and then shooting bullets well, back, back at, at a ghost. Yeah. But so the fiction of that of that scenario was not great, but the actual combat in I, I had a lot of fun actually. It was the first time that I felt like I was actually engaging all of Infinite's combat systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next thing after that basically was the Zeppelin thing, which was my least favorite. Yeah, in the game. Man, yeah. speaking of Minerva's Den, I uh, I'll be really curious to see like. You know, I don't know like what the DLC plans are for this game, but I mean, Minerva's just based Den's on how cool. Like, well, I just I'm just saying like as a potential for like Minerva's Den did a lot of things that make it, I think, rightfully um, often described as like one of the strongest pieces of Bioshock content to date, right? And like you could easily imagine within just the general world of Columbia or whatever, like whatever they're doing, like you could easily imagine someone doing something really really cool in a shorter form thing that mm-hmm. doesn't suffer from some of these problems it's interesting about. it's going to be interesting to see what they do also given that at the end of bioshock columbia's existence is entirely defined through this sort of like weird meta story and like the big yeah, overarching you can do plot. anything you can do anything you want <laughs> that, that, but well but columbia also effectively closes in on itself yeah. and disappears like columbia is like a weird loop trapped in time whereas rapture is a space that just exists in real life mm-hmm. so the yeah, notion but, of it just continuing to exist and continuing to exist, like, it, I mean, I guess, it, but the but, DLC doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Exactly. Like, right. the whole point of, like, not the whole point, but, like, but I think one of the side effects of that story is that you could set anything you want anywhere and it would be... Yeah. Sure, it's just, it's a goofy thing in terms of just hypothetical fan investment, but I think people actually care when fiction that they love is considered real in and of itself, and Columbia is now not really... Yeah, no, it's real. Been I think that's yeah. kind of why. Yeah. I mean, I, I was kind of, I was kind of getting at that. And I know it's kind of like a very like dorky, like, like fan thing to say, but yeah, like th- this, this make believe place being another layer of synthetic just sort of always distances me and makes me not give a crap about. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not. No, but I still think you just saying, you just put something outside that, of all like, that shit. If someone it, just yeah. has a cool idea for a story to tell in a DLC, yeah. like that, it, that it, could it, be... it also to me, yeah, you're right. You can you can totally agree, do that. I I agree fully. Apparently, just, one of them is about the song. But the I way saw, the so, way they're gonna do that. That's I guess. whatever. That's yeah, fine. Which is, yeah. It was implied very heavily in early Infinite stuff that the songbird would actually be an opponent, and the songbird is just a weird right. NPC. But uh, what I was gonna say is just the way that this game treats the treats its story makes it almost feel like Comstock Booker and Elizabeth are the only actual real things because they're the constants that exist outside of all of the right. insane yeah. meta stuff, right, right. which really... means. Is anything is anything else in the world of Bioshock actually like tangibly real at this point? Which makes the DLC weird from a sort of like it feels like we popped one layer out of reality yeah. with the end of this game, which <laughs> then makes everything else inside of it feel like a construction in a way that yeah. it didn't. Before. No, yeah, I right. think you're right, but I yeah, but I think that that's not like, to say that you can't just do the story yeah, of sure. I mean, this guy who yeah, ran guns for Vox Populi yeah. or whatever. Because oh, yeah. right, because I I totally understand what you're saying, and again, I don't disagree with it. But if you look at you know Minerva's Den is it's not really a spoiler, I guess, because just the guy that the, that that DLC is about, like the things that that's interesting about his story are the stakes that are important to him, not 
the surrounding oh, continuity of I'm Rapture. Not, I'm not so disagreeing like, with that. I'm entirely just talking about things that you don't like. I know. Like I know. basically investment in the lore. Like the way that Rapture right. the way that Rapture works before Infinite mm-hmm. retconned it was for all we know, out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, Rapture could be there right now and we would never know it. And that's sort of what's fascinating about it. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. that's the that's thing that's totally mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. thing that grips you about that. So like maybe the story of of Minerva's Den and Rapture Rapture Central Computer is happening right now. There's no way or maybe did, you know, 40 I mean, years ago. Or even whatever. like the early sort of way they were pitching Columbia where you were like, okay, that's probably not happening. But it's at least sort of well, there was fascinating that- tale of like weird Victorian technology yeah. taken aloft at what was already an audacious World's Fair. There was also like, that great yeah. ad bit that was on YouTube. Yeah, that does kind of the, – the, the basic underlying premise of Bio 1 and, of Bio 1 and 3 like does make those – Different, right? Like th- yeah, as you yeah. say about about because Rapture, Bio Three is like, that very well could in fact exist right, right we're now. Like, we're reading without... stories about like the underwater hotel in Dubai and the actual crazy but I'm like libertarian if, dude who wants yeah, to build an ocean colony. I don't, I don't like... just mean like could have been prompted. I mean like literally speaking, in like totally theoretically, Rapture could in fact be still under the Atlantic Ocean right this second as Best we're conversation, speaking. yes, but without changing but, uh, any of our history ex- that we know exactly. Right. Whereas like the whole part of the actual story of Columbia yes. is that like. It did, in fact, cause this big incident, and it was, you know, like an actual public yep. event that right. launched, they launched it, and it was a big deal. I think for this does get totally to personal preference, but I think Sean, I totally agree with you that just as far as large scale engrossing sort of sci fi fantasy stuff goes, stuff like the story of Rapture is just personally more appealing to yeah. me. I know well, there I, are people I, for I whom the opposite is the case, where they want insane high mm-hmm. spectacle mm-hmm. wild stuff but like it's like it's why like district nine is, is a sci-fi movie that i like mm-hmm. um, like moon or moon yeah versus like i even like the versus um, avatar i guess like yeah. or sucker punch or something or like whatever weird that's not really sci-fi i don't know what that even is <laughs> it's just all things yeah i also just sort of left the first bioshock thinking man there were so many really incredible sort of interesting characters that i met along the way and they weren't just andrew ryan you know um whether it's Xander Cohen or uh, who's the other guy? Steinman. Steinman or then uh, the Tenenbaum. fisherman guy. Oh, or that. I don't there's know. There's the there's the fishing minute the fishing area. There's the guy. Who's the guy there? I don't remember fish guy. No, it's fisherman, but that's fisherman. that area, the packing area. Every single person I met it felt like really well realized. And I didn't leave um, Infinite thinking that Columbia was full of very interesting people <laughs> at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I didn't sort of have that feeling. Yeah. And I also the, you know, I'm just you know what? We can we can start to wrap up infinite because I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. go on a jag right now. Yeah. Just, I'm literally just going to laundry list well, my, kinda, di- well, my I mean, disappointments. That's, it's, that's the reason I was bringing up the DLC because I'm, yeah. I'm just like, well, they've yeah. got some amazing fucking assets to work with here. Like, that, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Someone right. just tell a cool if few hour get, long story. Yeah, the DLC DLC is as opportunity for just small personal story. Hopefully, at least one of them comes out like that because mm-hmm. yeah, there's you know like there there were things that were touched on really briefly that seemed like they could. Like, I was expecting them to go somewhere, like the composer behind the music who's been lifting covers mm-hmm. that yeah. he's hearing mm-hmm. through tears, yeah. or yeah. the guy who's writing Comstock's biography. I was like, oh, these are going to, oh, no, I just never heard it. Even the yeah. the brother and sister who are huge principal plot characters, if you don't go scrounging around for all of their optional audio logs, yep. they're not full characters, but they're they're interesting until, yeah. until you realize the game doesn't want you to care about them. Right. It's, it's tough. I mean, I don't know. You can see how big of a production the whole thing was, you know, at the end. I think it's just this sort of lacks balance and restraint and sort of like the sharpness, I think. You can see that it was hastily, not hastily, but it was 
came in fast. Yeah, you can Cotton tell fast. that there were a lot of incredibly big ideas that were put together in their final form when they were already moving at full speed. Like yeah. the 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 which is tough. The content was clearly actually stitched together and like cinched when they were already going 100 miles an hour. Yep. Which yeah seems to be what happens when you have all of the money. I don't know. Like, just, yeah. I'm gonna go back yeah, and yeah. play the first Bioshock though. I think I'm gonna do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, I think I will. Game's really cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There it is. You guys played uh, the new StarCraft stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh and yeah. here ends the Dishonored Bioshock Infinite discussion. <laughs> Timestamp. <laughs> well, I mean, we're gonna have to go figure it out later. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought if no I said it, it would, would just yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in some other podcast. Some, yeah. Did I tell you how I tried to take a screenshot of my uh, my computer by taking a screenshot of my iPhone and holding it up to the screen? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. So I had an IM from. Uh, I had a text message from Ollie. We're just too dumb to understand the game, probably. <laughs> I know. No, no, no. It's really terrible. I had a text message from Ollie, and I was trying to grab it off my phone as, like, you know, if you hit the home button in the, of an iPhone and the lock button, it just takes a screenshot. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to date stamp it, so I had the idea that I would just bring up the New York Times like it was a hostage, <laughs> you know? So I was just like, I'll put the New York Times behind it. Wait, you put the a- New York Times website behind it? Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's terrible. I know, man. I don't know. Like, look. <laughs> I can't hear like... So then what you should have said is, Jake, come in here and load up your iPhone camera and take a picture of my phone and my iPad displaying these two things because the screenshot isn't getting it all. Jake comes up takes a screenshot right, of his exactly. own phone. <laughs> and then I just, well, no, if I had opened the camera app and then taken a screenshot of the camera UI. Oh, my God. It would have successfully worked. Wait, here. Can someone come take a picture of my camera viewfinder preview? Take, like, Why do we start talking about that? I don't know. Why did we? I don't know. You brought that up apropos of absolutely nothing. <laughs> I think I just had a stroke. I smelled burnt toast. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you played StarCraft? <laughs> Two? Yeah. Revenge, yeah, Return of the Sith yeah. or whatever? Yeah. What was it called? <laughs> whatever, probably. Well. Revenge of the Swarm <laughs> something? Return Heart of the Swarm? Heart of the Swarm? Revenge of the Swarm, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'm legitimately asking. I don't know. I never, yeah. I've not played one second of StarCraft 2. Mm. Oh. It's cool. I played a yeah. lot of StarCraft 1. You would love the story. <laughs> oh, God. Was that just you being a snark man? <laughs> it was extremely. Well, we were just. Oh, so bad. <laughs> anyway, we shouldn't start, though. It's good. No, no, no. It's because yeah. that's not the thing. That's you, not the thing we really want to talk about. That's not the thing you're there So, is it a mechanical expansion then? Or do you get well, a new it's race? A, no, it's an entirely new campaign and a whole bunch of new multiplayer units. Yeah. Ooh, it's like, it's, yeah. it's a huge Starcraft 1, so I have a question. Starcraft 2 mm-hmm. first drop from whatever it was two years ago now was just the, Ter- the Terran campaign, right? Yeah. 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 I have a question. Yes. Go ahead. So when they introduce a whole bunch of new multiplayer units, does that stuff instantly get folded into the pro scene? It, it looks like it doesn't. It, or does it? Well, no, it doesn't instantly get folded in, but uh-huh. they, they've already started. I mean, like, there are... Yeah, that's because that's so different wait, 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 than, than Aloma. To the pro scene. He's talking about... He's talking about oh, oh, to the... Oh, I'm sorry. The, I'm sorry. Okay, the pro scene. You're talking about multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. were surprised oh, that they've, the actually, they've actually split the multiplayer community. You have to own the expansion in order to play with... The they split the multiplayer community? They did. But that's what they did. That's what they've always done it with their expansions. It's yeah. not surprising. They did that back with... What was the one that had... Brood War. Yeah, Brood War. So eventually when the StarCraft II battle chest shows up, the multiplayer scene will finally reunite itself. Right. Uh, 
But I mean, also people I, are still, people one, are, yeah. in StarCraft people 1, it, re- it really, back, pre- but, like, yeah. the pro scene just switched over to Brood War. Well, that's not really true, I guess, because the Brood War is really what created the pro scene. So it's kind of yeah. immaterial, but I expect that will happen in this as well. I really liked Brood War. Play, people, oh, Brood War is great. I really liked um, that a lot, yeah. People have been playing on the Heart of the Swarm beta for a while now. Yes. So, like, people are, have already been getting used to these changes. Yeah. So Anything cool? Well, I, I haven't played yet? enough to have a good opinion on it, but I... This is such a dumb thing to say, and this is not new because they've been doing this with WoW and StarCraft 2 for a while, but I just want to say it again because it's so impressive to me when I do it. Blizzard's like play while downloading oh, tech man, yeah. is so good. It's so impressive. Like you you know, this is like a 15 gigabyte game, and like the internet right. in our apartment is kind of shitty. And yeah. so you can play with like a gig and a half. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh God, I'm not gonna be able to play this for like two days. Uh but then it get like they have this little marker on the download bar. That's like, it's like release the hounds. Up, and the play button <laughs> lights up, and it's like, oh my god! Yeah. And it's re- like you go in, and the CG cut, the cutscenes are like, you know, they're there's a lower, it's a higher compressed version of them, uh-huh. which is totally fine with me because that's the story is, is pretty forgettable. But it just streams in, them in, my in. opinion. It's but it crazy. Just streams, yeah, it streams them in. Yeah. You can start playing the game immediately, and like instead of just a regular level load where it's streaming from your hard disk, it will just stream like the last few megabytes it needs, like just to lock in the level. And then go. It's just so impressive. It's wow. so smooth. Yeah. There's never a hitch. It's just amazing. Some real, that's an it's impressive. It's purely technical. Feet. You know, like it's yeah. not a creative thing. Yeah. But it's just amazing. I like, brought yeah. this up once before, and I, I still don't know if I'm a crazy person or not. Mm. But I feel like when Steam first came out, um, Half Life One pre Half Life One Source did that. Like I remember, really, I, mm. I it was it was not like literally day and date whenever Steam pre- came out, but I remember. I remember I was excited because Half-Life 2 was coming out, and I realized I never actually legally owned Half-Life 1. Um, so I went to the store and bought the Half-Life 1 box, which contained Half-Life, Blue Shift, uh, Opposing Force, and it just typed the CD key into Steam. So I never actually put the CD in my drive. And then Half-Life 1 downloaded incredibly quickly. And then I remember the load screen of whatever Gold Source, the old Source engine, Instead of it loading assets off disk, the Steam progress bar came up, and yeah. then I was in the next level, and I was on broadband. So I was like, "Wow, this was probably actually quicker than it would have been were I playing this off of a 2x CD-ROM in 1998." Hmm. But I've never heard anyone mention that since, and they obviously don't support Weird. that in Source Engine. So you're Engine. either saying a thing that is cool and surprising, or you're just making something up, right? And we don't and know. Readers, we're <laughs> gonna find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, two minutes. I remember looking at it because it was like Half Life came out in '98, and this was probably me playing it in '03 or '04, like when yeah. Half Life Two came out in '04, right? '04, yeah. I think it was probably early '04 that I was doing this, and I was like, oh, I guess they're just like they realized that Half Life One is so small from a data size standpoint that they can just stream the shit out to you. Yeah, it looked like it was using the same. It looked like what it was doing was using the same code that it uses if you were playing on a multiplayer server, mm. and the server doesn't have the map, or you locally don't have the map that the multiplayer server needs. So uh, it would just so it's does, like if you're like, oh, I don't have I Dust yeah. Two, so it, it would just stream you those assets. And I felt I feel like I might have been playing single player Half Life campaign with that, and I've never since seen it except in the Blizzard stuff. I feel like you hmm. might be right. Oh, or right. you're just convincing me that you are. I just like, well, because I asked my brain, so how would they have done that? Wait, they have no, the no, tech no. they use for streaming multiplayer feels, maps, and so you can yeah. apply that to single player. Yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry, I've only um, experienced that once, and it was in Half Life One, maybe inside yeah. of my dream. But uh, it's really cool. Anyway, what's the rest of the? I hear that there's a swarm with a heart. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. So anyway, that's just a fit and finish thing. But like. There's little things like that throughout that Blizzard's just so good at. Like I, oh man, I remember I logged in and you were like, "Whoa!" It just said there's a player like yeah. geographically near you, 
and he opened it up, and it's like another player has signed on to your local area network. Yeah, <laughs> what? it's a constant display like, in the UI. Like, yeah, which below is awesome. the friends like list. You, it's like there are this many people in near, your like, on near your local. You. Ne- yeah, so it just and has like, land yeah. land detection built in. That's and like really you know, for us, it's not that big a deal because we we can just yell to each other. But like, if I were in college. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. yeah, just to be like, well, support? there's like 12 other people in my dorm on this. Rad. Yeah, like, because yep. oh, I. No, it's really good. W- one of my just favorite experiences from from um, college was playing StarCraft One with other people just on my in my dorm, mm-hmm. like physically in my dorm. And I, I've probably told this on an all little thumbs, but whatever. Uh, the, one of my roommates, this guy Jurok, was uh, uh, had used used to play StarCraft Two like before. Before he came to college, and he he got back into it because Starcraft this, One. I'm sorry, Starcraft One. I'm bad at that today. Brood um, War. Uh, this would have been yeah. This was definitely post Brood War. And he got back into it when we we were at one, the far end of one of one like hall. It was a single hall mm-hmm. dorm, and at the entire other end, and literally the exact opposite room at the far end, this guy Brian Green moved in, and he was like a big Starcraft player, and so he pulled Jurok back into it, and they had these like fucking epic matches regularly like dueling from opposite ends of the hall and people would like gather in our respective dorms and look people who didn't know jack shit about video games or starcraft or anything just to watch these two guys play at this ridiculously high level uh and just you know the just the crazy micro battles and everything and it was super exciting and fun uh and that's actually when i got into starcraft in a big way like i'd played it when it came out but i i never got all that great Mm because that game's hard uh, but like that was when I got into it was like rooming with a super good StarCraft player. Um, and like if that game had had the thing that StarCraft 2 now does, oh, it'll yeah. just show you people on. Like it just would have been even more of just part of like the life of our dorm. It was I don't know, the cool sound thing. of like 16 spectator accounts logging in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. stuff's just awesome. So that, that kind of thing is cool. And the, so I've, I've played the first several missions of the campaign and it seems cool. Like I really like the campaign missions so far. Yeah, no, they're really good. They seem really well made. Yeah. You would yeah. like the second one, Sean. It's basically Dota. <laughs> oh, really? Just, yeah. Control this hero and the, the abilities are just oh, mapped to yeah, Q-W-E-R. Yeah, yeah. yeah It's fun. like, oh, okay. That's yeah. pretty typical though, right? For it is. Real yeah, it goes back, yeah. To, goes back to like Warcraft 3. Yeah. Because well, they had, they, yeah. They, they introduced. Starcraft 1 did that too. Yeah, Starcraft had, um, well, I mean, it did. When you had, you had the hero Warcraft element of. Warcraft was big on the hero stuff though, right? That was its deal. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of where I got really into that, I think. And then I never played. Dota, unfortunately. What's funny is I yeah. didn't I well, didn't like that about Warcraft. I never got into Warcraft. Oh three, man, I, I played so yeah, much. Warcraft play. Three was my dorm game. Mm. Yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. A guy named yeah. Jamie Lumsden. Mm. So fun. Yeah. No, this game. I mean, God, from a feature standpoint, at this like it's 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 insane. Like I was just going through like, what can I do with an AI? They have ten different AI settings now. Like it's ridiculous. And they you have can like build orders. <laughs> they have build orders. You can select like and di- like dictate what the AI is like doing from a builder standpoint. I don't know. It's just I was like looking at everything and just going, well, these guys have this figured out in a way that, I mean, it it, it actually like made me think of Dota in a strange way because I think like I feel like StarCraft Two really pushed forward a lot of that. Um, matchmaking feature set for a lot of these games, and um, it's still doing it better, I think, than than most. Like the f- like matchmaking is really good. Matchmaking is amazing, and, and in addition to that, what, what I wish Dota really had was the uh, the bracket system that Starcraft Two has, which yeah. is just yeah, fantastic. that's so good. 
I mean, it, it really provides a reason to be playing in mm-hmm. a way that Dota just doesn't if you have a team. Like, I mean, we can play, you know, like team matches, but there's no, you really have no idea where you're ranked or where right. you stand or anything. And, and StarCraft just does all that so well. Have we ever talked about the year that we spent like deep into StarCraft? Probably not. Because um, that was when the podcast you, was defunct. No, you were, no, no, no. You were talking about it big time when I, no. It was never really. No, no, no. I, I guess I was, our friendship in, is not I, always recorded. I was in I was Maryland. In, <laughs> I, was, yeah, I was in Boston yeah. and Nick was in Maryland. So yeah. Nick and I were like sort of eight hour away East Coast buddies. Oh my uh, God. Like it was every night for like almost a year. Yeah. Yeah. It you was, guys, it you was, guys did pretty well in the co op ladder, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we did. We did. We hit, I think, Diamond at one point. It was ridiculous. We did. Platinum really well. definitely. I don't know. Platinum, if we did yeah, I thought diamond. you were Diamond. Yeah. I remember. I remember a tweet. We, we probably then, like dipped into Diamond and then. Yeah, and then yeah fell I think, out. I think that's, that was actually a problem. We, yeah. we, uh, that's true. We kind of plateaued. We plateaued. We really, yeah. And then. Because you hit a point that. where it's just like, Jesus, I'm never getting yeah. better than this. Yeah. Not me personally. You can't bear to lose once you've reached that. Oh, it's so, it's so painful. Like, it's so crushing every loss at that point because it's like. You but just it, you see yourself just plummet. The phenomenon that I still love about that, though, is when you are entering a match and it tells you the ranking of the, of the I opponents. know! It's God. the best. Like, it's it, crazy. Like, can you imagine if we were playing Dota just, and it was just like, these guys are so much fucking better than you are. <laughs> get your fucking shit together because you're about to get... Yeah, that like, was like... Oh, like it almost makes so you play better, though. It does so make you play yeah. better. It's just like... Diamond ladder unlocked. Yeah, yeah, Fuck. <laughs> every time that happened, we'd be like, oh, shit. We'd be psyched. All right, all right, all right. Like, now what are we going to do? What builder are we going with? Like, it would be insane. It was just like it blew everything up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. so good. Whereas the guys who you were playing against just went... Another baby. That's the thing you'd never. Oh, another baby. We have to not stop for some weaklings again. <laughs> that was always the worst. Is when you fight the same oh, yeah. guys like three oh, times God. in a row. They were palette yeah. swapped at God. least. Though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are so lucky to fight these losers <laughs> one more time. <laughs> God, it's happened. good that they're all just weirdly ponytailed Eastern European <laughs> like know. craft lords. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, Welcome to the diamond ladder. <laughs> <laughs> like just I all like duels. <laughs> Diamonds will not be your so best sick. friend. <laughs> God, oh this is God. terrible. So now the Starcraft ladder is apparently just Mike Tyson's punch out, where you just fight a bunch of just like racist stereotypes. <laughs> That's totally what it is. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You guys are Don Flamenco. It's too bad. He's <laughs> <laughs> the first guy. Oh no, Glass Joe. Oh, Glass oh, Joe, yeah, Don Glass Flamenco's Joe. number two. Yeah. How can I? We're number two. We're number two. That's fine. Yeah, not the worst. No, we got pretty good at that game. That was super fun. That whole that yeah. like that was one of those weird chapters in my life that it was like so strange in so many ways because I'd moved to the city right. that I'd never yeah. been basically ever been to before, uh, and you know, <clears throat> I was living in this weird town and like it was just I lived alone. I didn't have any roommates at the time, so it was just yeah. I would go home and like play this. This ridiculous. It was like around when I was breaking up with my girlfriend. Too. Oh, so God. It was just like I would, then I was living alone, and it was like, yeah. well, at least we have each other. All right, we're gonna do this for a couple hours. Yeah, but, and then we just get stomped like, by weird German. Fucking, yeah, like yeah. I do remember when it ended though, and it was just, they probably weren't. German, it was this very <laughs> definite no. ending where I think we both like yeah. came in. We suited up for a match, and we just realized, like, God, yeah. we have to do something more worthwhile with our lives. It really was, <laughs> like, like oh, the like, same oh, day. Jesus. That's what was crazy like, about yeah, it. It yeah, was, yeah. like, it w- we, that was, yeah. we were so in sync, like, as teammates. Like, we, it yeah. really felt like we got burned oh, out no. yeah. at exactly the same yeah. rate. Whereas just that one day was just, like, God, we're... 
Did you? Did it at least come out for like a crushing defeat? Did like the Bioshock Infinite shield break effect happen on your actual monitor? We never even said anything about it. We just neither of us signed on the next day. Yeah, we knew. Like it was. It was just. Yeah, we just stopped showing up on Battle Night, and that was it. Like that was it. It was weird. We just walked away in the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I thought I hit that with Dota. Like. Three weeks ago, <laughs> every day. <laughs> I feel like no. with Dota, that is every day, and then you I just think, come back to uh, it, yeah, and you yeah. just go, "Oh well, I still enjoy this game." You guys got to save Pe- this. People talk, are like, yeah, we're people are lacing order, up yeah. their boots to yeah, like, like, sprint yeah. away from this podcast as they hear the Dota talk, like slowly bouncing into our reality. We're not, we're not going to talk about Dota ever again. No. Yeah. Well, that's all I have to say. You guys want to take a break? Yeah, take a break. Let's break it up. Video I don't know what to have for lunch. Do I have a hot dog or a hamburger? <laughs> Just pick one and have the other one tomorrow. <laughs> You're going to eat again. <laughs> I, don't... I mean, unless you're 11, then it's a real question. Because there is no tomorrow when you're 11. Ele- tomorrow is like in a year. A you don't know. Yeah, it could kill you. Yeah. When you're 11, time is going... Like this, if I said, "Here's a hot dog for lunch," you can have a hamburger for dinner. You'd be like, still crippled. Fuck. It's gonna take forever for the because lunch to dinner makes up such a giant bit, like such a bigger percentage of your entire life than it does yeah. when you're an adult. Yeah. Like lunch to dinner for an 11 year old is essentially me now until August. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I owe you lunch. I'll buy you a hamburger. Oh man! Where do you want to go? I'm gonna. Okay, you can either go to Phyllis's Burgers, or I'll take you to the Royal Frankfurter. The Royal Frankfurter. Those are the two. I think places. that has to be the choice. All right, I'm gonna bring a second motorcycle helmet, and then you're gonna ride on my oh motorcycle God. with me to the Royal Frankfurter. Wow. Just hold on. It's gonna be magical. It's gonna be something. It's gonna be like magic that makes like just an aberration. Just, right. uh, just like if you're like, oh, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna pull a, f- f- a, a rabbit out of this hat. It turns out it comes out like a, all deformed and eyes and get a tooth coming out of its out of its stomach. That's that's, that's you know, it's quite cool. It's kind of magic actually produce. That's good. Video games. So thanks, Audible, for sponsoring this week's episode of Idle Thumbs. Um, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash wizard for a free month of Audible service yeah, and, and a free audio book download, which you can keep for the rest of your life. Until the internet turns off. Until the internet turns off. Yeah. Um, so this is, this is a feature of Audible. Maybe that you I, can just, I guess you just download it. Are you going to still fine. talk about whether, yeah, you could just keep the book. Yeah. Um, it's a thing that I didn't know about audible downloads because i don't i'm not a big audiobook person but uh my girlfriend listens to them especially on long car rides she owns a kindle and apparently Mm -hmm. audible which is uh an amazon related thing Mm -hmm. audible audiobook downloads sync with your kindle which i did Mm -hmm. not know and it's totally fascinating so she was listening to um by blood which was the book book club book from a uh, month or so back and she was on a six-hour car ride. And then when she got there, which was we were just going to a vacation together, she just opened up her Kindle and it snaps to the exact page that you were listening on. Whoa. What the what? Whoa. Yeah, so that's crazy. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. So she had it on audiobook and 
Like she owned both the Audible version and the oh, Kindle that's version. That's so cool. Wow. Yeah. Really? That is bonkers. Think of how much Jeez. metadata. How do they? I guess because they just read it from a script that's already annotated. Right, yeah, yeah. It just knows. God, that's, that's fascinating. Around. Technology wow. is crazy. That's. Re- I was actually just thinking about this because we're reading for the um, Audible po- Audible Jesus for the Idol Book Club next month or May. We're reading Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall. I'm excited. I want all all three of you guys to read this, please. Okay. You yeah. guys are never on the book podcast, but it would be super yeah, fun I, if we were all. I on don't it. know the yep. details of how that works, but I think that like most Kindles and most Audible clients support the Amazon like whisper whisper, whisper thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whisper. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that. That blew me away. Where she was like, "I heard this works. Let me see." Whoa! And then just the just yeah. or because I was thinking about that, on another device how, on another device. You're on page XXX. You oh want to jump God. ahead, and then he just flips up. That's so good because I was thinking about that. If I was listening to it in the car to work, and then I came home and wanted to read, it's kind of a pain to be like, "Wait, what was the last thing I heard?" Versus read, like my brain doesn't sync like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But Amazon does. Yeah, so, so that's cool. That's awesome. I I'm now really spoiled by things that work that way. Like Steam's cloud works that way. Um, New York Times crossword app does not work does that not way. work that way. Is that a bummer? It's a real because sometimes I start doing a crossword. I'm like, oh, I'm kicking the shit out of this Wednesday. Oh, I've done it before. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Oh, no, yeah, on between iPad oh, and iPhone. That's so sad. Yeah, I always think I'm really. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh man, I'm totally ready to step it up to Thursdays. Well, Thursday's the hardest one. Um, Saturday. Saturday's the hardest one. one. Yeah. yeah, Thursday's not even close. Yeah. Uh, Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday's hard, but Saturday is like impossible. It's so, yeah. Saturday's the one that is still like just impossible for me sometimes. To seg back but, to Audible, you also oh, yeah. get um, a audio digest of the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal with your subscription. So I don't know if you is that, a that doesn't thing? include the uh, yeah. That's cool. That doesn't pick, in, pick yeah. your political bias, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What? <laughs> no, it's true. Your leanings, Chris. Yeah. Not your bias. You're so biased, Chris. I'm sorry. I am super biased, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Signed internet. Signed in all the internet. Anyway. Um, if you yeah. don't want to make that mistake ever again, you should probably <laughs> read more and listen to more audiobooks. <laughs> yes. Go ahead and get a free one on us-ish at audiblepodcast.com slash wizard. Yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't you do that? I don't know why you wouldn't do that. And There's so no you can reason. also this is a, this, this next part is really more of a um a plea to the readers. Oh, if yeah. you guys could do a survey for us, it would help. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we do a lot of the advertisements that we've been doing, a lot of the sponsorship that's been happening this year has actually been through Libsyn, who is our hosting provider. They do advertising stuff and they offer us so and so person would like to sponsor you on the podcast, but they let us know that they're interested in changing how that works to be a little more tailored to who's listening to what. But for that to happen, they want to actually get unified demographics, which is probably slightly scary, but it's not actually. Yeah. So Good find out how many gamer stereotypes <laughs> we confirm and or deny. Yes. Yeah. So at idle, we're just going to put it up at idlethumbs.net slash wizard. It'll redirect you. Um, if you guys could do that. That would really be a, a if big it's help. funny or interesting, we'll share it with you. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, the, yeah. if the information turns out to be novel in any way, we'll share it with you. If it's Hopefully, bo- we're surprisingly mainly listened to by sixty plus women. Yes, that would be good. Hopefully, there are sixty or more female uh, yeah, listeners. No That's way. is that what you meant? You meant you? Oh, you're talking about the age? I meant ages, but yeah. Oh, you mean sixty plus sixty and over? Yeah, yeah. yeah so everybody, to, get your grandmothers to, to fill this demographics. Thing out. Yeah. Sorry. Um, 
But yeah, if you go you to thumbs.net slash wizard and fill out that survey, we would be really appreciative yeah, of it. would be doing us a um, solid. But if you want a wacky audiobook experience that syncs across all of your weird internet business, go to audiblepodcast.com slash wizard. and Just go to every site slash wizard and yeah. some of them will give us money and yeah. some won't. <laughs> right. Anyway, that's probably enough of this. Yeah, Th- thanks thank for listening. Guys. Thanks for supporting us. Bye. Um, yeah. Oh, should I talk about ridiculous fishing? Oh, yeah. Do the it. most ridiculous of all fishing experiences. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I haven't played this yet. I like the guys who made it. It's uh, Flambeer. Is that Super Crate Box? Yeah. Actually, and one of those guys made Tenez. I played Super Crate Box for the first time a couple weeks ago as well because I tried to get into that game over and over and over again, and I found it to be the most off-putting thing in the entire world. But I finally understood what it was, mm. and it's really good. Has anyone else here played Super Crate Box? No. Mm-mm. It's an incredibly simple, like it's a single screen platformer, like an old Atari 2600 game or an old old arcade game where, you know, there's not a lot of scrolling or anything. You're a guy moving around, you have a gun, and you shoot enemies who are coming at you. So you just are navigating a small little platforming area trying to stay alive by shooting guys. The way you advance the game is by picking up a crate. Um, Like if you pick up X number of crates, it goes to the next level. Mm. So like a crate appears in the lower left corner, so you've got to get over there without dying. And then another crate appears like in the top left and you've got to get up to the top of this sort of platforming screen. But every time you touch a crate, your weapon changes. So it forces it forces you to, you know, deal with the situation differently because you can't you can't like a gun for too long. You can't hold out because the game just forces you, like, okay, now you've got the grenades, now you've got the rocket launcher, now, they're all it's all sort of a riff on generic PC weapons, but the actual sort of like arcade loop that occurs inside of that game is surprisingly good like as were it an actual arcade game during the time when people played arcade games i think that it would have been one of the ones that is talked about all the time as being a destroyer but instead it's just a really good ios game anyway that um was the reason that i actually got ridiculous fishing because everyone on twitter went apeshit about ridiculous fishing and i thought to myself is this like frog fractions is it like why people people were Going apeshit about it to the degree that people only go apeshit about a thing that is in and of itself <laughs> right. ludicrous yeah, yeah, yeah. and dumb. Right, yeah. Sure. So I was like, okay, ugh, ridiculous fishing. But um, so the pitch for ridiculous fishing will make you say, yes, it is that. So <laughs> it's a fishing game. You play as a fisherman. Um, it's it's iPhone only, nice. or it's it's a fishing it's a fishing simulator um, for iOS. For iOS, you cast a line and it goes down into the water you know the camera follows it down like side scrolling but your objective is not to catch a fish it's to run the line as far as you possibly can down without catching any fish so you do that by way of using the like use the iphone accelerometer to sort of like swing the line to avoid fish until you run out of line then the guy starts anxiously reeling it back up and on the way up you try to catch as many fish as you can like once because once you catch a fish he starts reeling up so you try to catch as many fish as you possibly can then he gets up once the line gets to the surface the guy flips the pole up in the air because of presumably of the unexpected weight of the fish and they all go flying up into the air and then you shoot them all <laughs> and all the fish that you shoot you get money which you can then use in the store to buy unlockables that's ridiculous such as additional line um a chainsaw you can get a chainsaw that attaches to your fishing line so that it can like buzz through fish on the way down um Shotguns, akimbo AKs. Gun, gun saw, rod. Yeah, you can attach a toaster so you can Just, electrocute one fish that doesn't count. Yeah. The thing about this game that is stupid is that it's 
also very well made and just as a sort of casual mobile game it is very well done like the feeling of the actual like fishing navigation is really good yep. and the feeling of shooting the fish is kind of hilarious and there's like three or four maps the way that the map stuff works actually is reminiscent of Super Black Bass to me which kind of cracks me up like yeah. it has it has little hallmarks of actual classic stupid fishing games dumb right. baby fishing games for children how dare you for men people so that's, all the readers who have kind of sent me the Super Black Bass reboot, it's just not the same. It's just not what I'm looking there's for. There's a reboot. I, really, I didn't know that. There's like a new 3DS game. It's called like Super Black Bass 3D The Legend Reborn or something yeah. for 3DS. So that's what I thought this game was going to be. I no, thought, no, this, this is like, this Super is, Bass, it has no, a really um, like, like very stylized mm. um, like 2D the art actually looks like Pole Riders, where it's, that sort yeah. of, it's like pixel art, but uh, has the 45-degree okay. angle cuts, so it's all kind of like well, it's weird. like it's actual vector stuff, right? Ridiculous Fishing? I don't think that it is. I don't really know. Maybe it is. I thought yeah. I saw... Because, I mean, the stuff doesn't move like on a pixel grid, and it's... No, but neither neither does neither does Pole Riders. I mean, like, it's just sort of retro-style, but... Yeah, it's, it's a really nice-looking game. Like, it's all just cut yeah, at 45 angles. Right you just bought it during this... I sold Chris... Apparently, well, I meant to. I I keep hearing people talk about it. I meant to to. Um, Look at you! <laughs> I love what's happening right now. They're, we talk about an iOS game, and now like just, half of the podcast sorry, is like the other, buried in their phone. The other thing, like it has these. <laughs> it was little, a mess. I know. It has, more phones than the podcasting table. It does. It does have these little moments that sort of do feel like at one point, like it's it's not real, but it feels like. <laughs> Maybe at one point in the design of this game, it was a legitimate fishing game and just got ruined because it has things like your. Uh, yeah, okay. The more species of fish that you right. unlock, the more they get add to, added to your fish journal. Yeah. And once you hit a certain threshold of those, the next area of the lake is unlocked. Except that the way that you actually unlock fish is by scooping up like 300 eels and then machine gunning them. <laughs> um, but just yeah. if you don't describe the actual act of fishing, it is like, oh, so you're a fisherman who can catch various types of fish and as you fill up your fisherman's log you unlock new locations and by selling the fish that you've bought you can upgrade your things you can get better lures and you can get better equipment to fish more efficiently in deeper waters that is all accurate except that you're machine gunning them and you're catching eels anyway um and a narwhal Oh yeah, if you get all the way to the bottom, there's one wacky animal, like there's a giant squid or a narwhal or whatever that you then have to like machine gun a hundred times for it to explode. Mm. And you get like fifty bucks. Like hundred and fifty bucks. So it's an iOS game. Yeah. Okay. I played uh it's funny. On a recommend from a friend on my iPad, I played another iOS game. It's the new DC tag team fighting game Crazy, called what? Injustice. <laughs> okay. It's wow. built in Unreal. <laughs> It's basically Tekken Tag meets Karataka. Weird. Jesus. In the mechanics. Okay. And so it's like the structure of Karataka, but the mechanics No, are no, 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 no. The, the opposite. mechanics, the fighting feels like Karataka, where you're like tapping and oh, blocking. The opposite of what I would have thought. Yeah. And uh, it's basically a Tekken Tag tournament, and you play with the catalog of DC superheroes. And it's definitely it's free to play Cyrax. for sure. Be- it's but it's really well made. It's really really Blindfold fun. Blindfold fool, um, Cyrax, <laughs> and it just sort of it's now we're just Cut here. Lau. Like, Sorry, Green Lantern. Yeah, Green Lantern. Oh, I, good. I kicked his ass yesterday. I've heard that in this game, Green Lantern is the blindfolded fool. <laughs> this is a, this predates your existence on this podcast. It's okay. Sorry, what were you actually saying about this game? That's good. You should play it. No, is what? it really? Is it actually good? I really like it a lot. Yeah, it's oh, free. Yeah, cool. But also because it's free, it does like, I don't know. I've been learning a little bit about free-to-play economics. 
uh, not just the um how not just how much money they make, but actually the mechanics that which drive these things. Uh, just because I'm curious, I guess. But it uses the energy mechanic, so you have a library of mm. of fighters, and every time you put them in a match, they lose an energy point. Right. And then they have to like go sit and recharge. Could you buy their energy back if you? Oh, wish? Of course, okay. you could oh, just yeah. buy a little energy bag, a oh, bucket. Yeah. Just feed them a little pellet, and they'll come right back. <laughs> but also, just your <laughs> iOS. Mechanic yeah, your iOS just, just lives there, yeah. and then it's like, hey, they're ready to go again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're ready to fight. Yeah. But uh, the fighting mechanics are really... And also, just we're here now. Like, we're in a time where I look at this game, and I think I threw a guy into space and then smashed him between two asteroids, and it was just... It just looked like a PS3 title. Right. Just ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's really sort of crazy when you cross over that line and go, oh, this is just... A video game now. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, very very strange. But it's worth checking out. I mean, I don't know if you like DC DC stuff and you like fighting games. I think the fighting mechanic I wish was a little bit. It, it's funny. Like I think uh, fighting in Karataka is easier, but d- tuned to a deeper level mm. because it has small little audio cues and because it almost has a rhythm element to it. Right. It feels really really like artfully crafted. Where the combat in Injustice feels a little more like brute force, yeah, uh, and more like a fighting game, um, like a Tekken, I guess. Yeah, but it's still a very like impressive game, and it's also free, so maybe you'll get super into it. Um, I'm, I'm definitely gonna play more of it. I think as a, as a pass the time sort of game. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Reader mail. Mail from you. Mail from you, the readers? <laughs> Next week. I just wanted to let people know that it's time for reader mail. Well, you've done it. You yep. did the official reader mail squeak. <laughs> oh, if you have reader mail it. for us, please send it to questions at idlethumbs.net. Oh, yeah. We might read it. Slash wizard. We might read your mail. Uh, Philip Krenicki says, roll of the press. Hey, Thumbs. There's a talk headed by Terry Cavanaugh, GDC 2013, that commented on the role of the press in the promotion of indie games. There is a suggestion made that the gaming press has an anti-indie bias. I think some people look at their press jobs as protectors, saving less knowledgeable consumers' money from bad products. Others see themselves as curators, dispensing interesting and artistic bits of expressive media. Another possible role for press is champions of equality, promoting media made by a strange or ostracized member of society. What do you think the role of press should be, especially with respect to indie games? Should they make extra effort to push content made by discriminated discriminated against members of society, such as women, queer people, and, and uh, anybody not white? Should press consider social responsibility, or is it, or is it legitimate to abdicate that in favor of serving uh, what the current market wants? Very interested in your opinions, Phil Krenicki. You know, I don't know. I mean, Roger Ebert passed away, right? And he's a critic. And I think that's sort of a more, I don't know, this is very personal. This is like a personal opinion as opposed to like what should be. It's funny, like when a reader uses language like that, I don't really know how to respond. Like should, I don't know, just I'm just some idiot on a podcast. But I think what's really great about a critic that you build a relationship with over the course of their career and they continue to develop both their craft and their relationship with their audience is that they do kind of become curatorial, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't also be an advocate for 
You know what I mean? What's or, funny about yeah, Roger Ebert is that he's not curatorial, in fact. No, he I know. He yeah. for Daily Paper. He had to just review yeah. everything. Right, right. But there's still... Or as he, much of it as he He's could. curatorial in the sense that you get a sense of what he likes. And, and Ebert Recommend has an actual recurring theme versus an Ebert... That's really true. I mean? I, that's kind of what I mean. No, no, no totally. Not like but he's I going out and seeing, like, this is the movie of... Right. The, yeah. But I think a, a more curatorial critic, I think, would be, like, what this guy says. Right. My point was... Where they specifically, like, choose the box... Of right. games to review, and then those are the ones. Right, like that's like advocacy journalism. Whereas, and I think my point was that which is another legitimate through role, that relationship different. with a critic, you can get the sort of the the like the the positive things you want out of a curator mm-hmm. simply by digesting, like following them as a person, as sure. a voice that yeah. you trust. Right, right. So they might not they might be playing everything, but they're playing everything. So the things that they do recommend almost feel like they're in like sure. Uh, a curated selection of games for you. Yeah, sure. And I think that's, totally. I don't know. I've always really liked that. Like, I think it's nice to follow individual personalities as opposed to outlets. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's sort of how I prefer to yeah. digest. That's so anything. hard in games yeah. though, because like the thing that makes it hard in games as compared to anyone who's writing as a critic for a paper or something. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that nobody, very few publications anymore can afford to pay people just to be critics and nothing else. Right. There are some. But um, also, an individual person simply can't review the volume of games yeah, that Ebert that's did. true. Even when that's Ebert cool. was, like, basically on the brink of death, that guy was still reviewing way more movies than any individual person ever reviews games. Like, you just can't play that many games. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, and it makes it really hard to be that Ebert style of critic where you're broadly just aware of everything from, like, the craziest Michael Bay, like bonkers banana fest all the way down to like just some super personal, no budget thing. Like that guy would regularly review all those and everything in between. And it's just so hard to have the time and ability to do that. It takes the same amount of time and the same amount of like personal energy to review transformers as it does. Like, Little Miss Sunshine. Well, like Ebert right. would go into a screening room on like a Saturday and watch, you know, five films in a row, and that's his mm-hmm. whole week's worth of reviews. So like it's so crazy. You you could spend that same amount of time playing one game. Playing and, like a third of a game. Yeah, it's or so funny, a third my, yeah. of a game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's impossible. So I have a question um for you guys having been in the press. Do you think a reviewer or I should say a critic, not like do you think a critic has to finish a game to write about it? No, nope. that's an interesting question, and I, I don't. I also say no. Okay, because I don't think I don't most think, people would. I, right, no, I, I think know a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I feel like that would I genuinely yeah. don't think that like there is an expectation, and it's sad that this is true, but I think it is definitely true. I don't think there's an expectation that a game that there is like the sacrosanct mm-hmm. duty of a game to respect your time. Even people, even developers who say. They, that's really important to them. Like it almost, it rarely feels to me like that's the case. Like right. you'll be playing yep. a game for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And it's like, I get it. Like mm-hmm. I get what it's like to fight a bunch of guys. Like it's this, yep. I'm not learning anything after the 20 millionth time I've done this. You know, like yeah. it's just so many, it's not just games where you fight. Like that's not, I don't mean to just pigeonhole mm-hmm. g- combat oriented games, but like just it's easy any game. That, yeah. It's like, there's so much of everything um, and I, that's why something like Journey I thought was so wonderful. It's like a few hours long and it's like, yeah. to me, it was really strong throughout. And it's just so rare for games to be that because it's hard for them to be. It's like you're going to spend the amount of time you are to develop this thing. Like you might as well make it longer. Like the, another three hours of gameplay is not going to materially 
impact the budget. Right, you have the, um, the engine and the systems and the people. Although there. JP, I was talking to JP about this today, and he made a really good point, which is that, um, like, it's true that once you've invested in all, like, if you look at a game like Bioshock Infinite, like, they invested in designing, like, a weapon upgrade system and, like, all these vigors and all these weapons and, like, all these enemy types and this and that and this and that. Once they've done all that, making a bunch of more combats, it's not easy. Like, it's hard <laughs> to do it well, but it's not adding a significant amount of additional like budget just to repeat like a bunch of combats. But what does add a whole lot is like all the upfront decisions you make because you know you have to support 10 hours of gameplay in the first place. Like mm. all of those weapons, all of this, that, right. all of this like interlocking systems, all this AI shit it was that so needs funny. to like support the possibility <laughs> right. to make a game that long. Right? Also when that vigor wheel pops up and you've got five yeah. and you're looking at, you know how spaces. you know how like yeah, symmetry yeah, yeah. works mm-hmm. and you're like motherfucker. Yeah. I'm going to have to fill this thing out. Yeah. I'm already ready for the the big act like end of act 2. Yeah. break here. I know yeah. I'm not even close to it. Yeah. 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 And like and uh so, I just the idea of as a reviewer like having to it's it's especially hilarious because whether anyone agrees with me or not about what I just said about games inherently respecting your time it, it almost doesn't even matter whether you agree with that or not because actual reality shows that people don't finish games. It's right. true. Like, they just don't. People, very few people finish games. Yeah, you can, go look, so I mean, like, you can go look at the Steam achievements. It feels like we're, we all live yeah. in this like, on the, on weird internet, shared del- like mass delusion yeah. right. that, that people You actually, need to finish the entire game to let me know if it's worth me buying it to not complete it. Exactly. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what no, it is. You need to know, like, I need to know if the first 20% that I play is actually contextually part of something great or if only the first 20% matters anyway. Right. Let me know. And it's frustrating because I know there are, like, it's not that nobody finishes games. Like, clearly a bunch of people do finish them and those are probably the people who would, I guess in that case, totally fairly claim, I do want you to finish it to review it. But it's just, the whole thing is kind of an untenable problem because then, because it really is the thing that keeps a critic from being able to be a genuinely well-rounded critic who can actually like review the breadth of stuff you'd want them to in order to be that Ebert style yeah. person who's actually familiar with enough of the medium that they can speak authoritatively about it. And it's just, it's so hard. It's funny because I was reading some, you know, older Ebert reviews after his passing and <clears throat> it just, it strikes you just how, like if you took uh, your average Ebert review and uh, if a game review was sort of like was that wrapped short? around, was that short? <laughs> yeah. Gamers would just go ape shit. They would say, he's being dismissive. Like he's not giving it its fair shake. He's not talking about this or that. And it's just like, that's why he's a good writer. Like that's why he's a good critic. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's concise. He can he's, take the telling you exactly. And spin them out into something. He's talking about what he's interested in, like what made him feel like what, what the movie made him feel instead of like what happened. You know, I mean, it's just, so, uh, it's really think, frustrating because I feel like that yeah. just is done so rarely. I'm with, especially with bothered that we're using criticism. Roger Ebert as the example because he said that a game is not art. <laughs> <laughs> God. So I hope Ugh. he rots. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, I was quoting the internet. <laughs> oh. I don't, you know, to, to the internet's credit, I didn't see that the other day. I didn't see that. I did. Really? I saw a little bit of it. Yeah. I, I didn't see any of it. Yeah, not I, that there wasn't I didn't, any. Either, but like, I only actually, you're right, I only saw people complaining about seeing it. Mm. Classic, mm, yeah. what I always see now. Yes, classic people Twitter complaining feed. about the worst thing yeah. that I don't actually see, but I'm sure it was there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, whatever. Sean, you're um, right to say something. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm sort of interested in because I mean, I don't know. Like, I really like criticism. Well written criticism is really really fascinating. Oh, I agree. It's oh, great. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. I could just ask you guys questions about the indus- about the journalistic side of the industry. The answers forever. probably won't be that interesting. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I probably won't. But um, would you have not finished Bioshock and written a review about it if you were in the press right now? I didn't. I hated writing reviews because I didn't like. Yeah, Gamasuji didn't really write many. But when, when you guys Shack, right? didn't write any. I, I wrote a couple. I wrote like a single digit wrote, number of reviews. I wrote a fair number of reviews. You wrote more than I did. You would have finished Bioshock Infinite. I just because have. of the type of game I mean, it I is. I would have because I w- of the type of game it is. Because of the type of game it is and because of the type of site that was and like the kind of just – well, Sort of in defense? No, so I'm just, no, no, yeah. I'm just, no, no, I'm just <laughs> saying no, yeah, like true. the opinions that I have about this just holistically as a person are different than like the particular responsibilities I felt to the readership of that specific sure. publication. Oh, no, I remember, I remember writing a review of Mass Effect and I think the first comment was, did you finish the game? I don't think he finished it. Yeah. Like I remember that clearly. Yeah. I don't think I finished it. <laughs> <laughs> and I still stand yeah. by that review completely. However, that is, that's a thing. I mean, yeah, I, I hate to, I kind of spun the question off into that just because I do think that's yeah. sort of at the crux of the matter. It, yeah, but like I, I guess now that we acknowledge that is not possible, then, like, that yeah. being said, the guy's question is actually relevant because, like, what do you spend your time on, right? Yeah, I mean... And I, I feel like there's so... I feel like the answer to this is how I feel about a lot of things, right? Which is that people... There's nothing anybody can do to change what the bulk of just the critical establishment, like, the, 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 the press core in yeah. games is always going to be focused primarily on the AAA stuff because that's the stuff that can hire a bunch of PR people. That's the right. stuff yeah, that can yeah, blanket yeah. the airwaves. So... I, in answer to this question, I might as well say, yeah, some people should do the other thing. Because, <laughs> like, right. yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that one angle is already going to be more covered than it ever needs to be. Like, there's already more redundancy in even now the less populous yeah. gaming press than there was a few years ago. It's still completely oversaturated when it comes to covering the big core games. Like, right. there's already way more coverage of it than we need. Well, I do is think other, just – sorry, go ahead. No, I just – I have a point that I want to make before I forget it. Um I was re- I was watching it. Nick is waving a carpenter's pencil. I am. By I the was, way. It feels like a knife. <laughs> in metaphorical life. So like, no. I was watching this um, interview with with Ebert and uh, from like 2002. And one thing he said was that you know when I'm writing a review, um, I can't like if I cry, I have to say that I cried. If I watch a stupid comedy, I have to admit that I laughed because if I don't, I'm just mm-hmm. a bullshitter. Like yeah. I'm just trying to be something that I'm not. <clears throat> And I, that's kind of the way I feel like game reviews should be. If I get to a point in that game where I don't want to play anymore, I think it's totally legitimate to say that I got to this point in the game and realized it was the same thing. Then you get someone again. else to review this game. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe eh, no bullshit. Like it would that, be the that's best. no fuck that. If you're following this person, and this I is think the way that they as feel. a publication, I think that you owe it to your readers to play every game all the way through, regardless of whether or not you like it. I think if you get to the point in the game where you don't like it anymore, they should have another reviewer ready that you can tag in <laughs> right. to write the rest of the review from that yeah. point and yeah. has to just tell you Jake, what they thought of the last four weird. hours of the game. Do you really believe this? I know when he started, before he got to tag in, I was like, wait a second. No, I entirely agree with what Nick said, and therefore with what Roger Ebert said. Yeah, I just feel like, I mean, I do think. <laughs> you're right like that's how that usually honestly goes, but at the right? same time don't live in fear of your readership you're oh, gonna, yeah. because what's gonna happen is it's, i mean i don't know this is hard. very idealistic is this is very idealistic don't live in fear of your audience is what that, right. that can apply outside of that's criticism true. but yeah it's it's equally terrifying well i mean everywhere. just to keep just to keep focusing on what we're focusing on i think like don't what will happen in an ideal world maybe this won't happen you'll be fired but <laughs> if you pick the things that you're gonna go after and you're gonna you know, be as broad as possible, but be yourself. Yeah. 
then you're going to find your audience and you're going to be, your value will be within you, who you are, as opposed to how many reviews you can put up in a day or whatever, you know, this, that, or the other thing. I mean, that's actually why Tom Bissell, I'll call him out. Like, I feel like I like reading this stuff that he, because he sort of reviews sort of very pointedly for, he does criticism very pointedly for places like Grantland Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Killscreen, Um, probably Edge and Eurogamer. Places like that. Yeah, he's great. I mean, I've read a bunch of his individual. Yeah, and it just feels like he's one of the few uh, critics, and he's not really even a critic, just writers, I should say. He's a writer. Yeah, yeah, one of the few writers is who I just follow. Which is really, which is, I have to say, like, there's actually outside of sort of entertainment journalism, like, that's a really strong tradition in writers is is writers who are critics and also writers of fiction and nonfiction. And, like, yeah, Yeah, I mean, just people who are just full service writers and will will just write whatever. Yeah, it is. It is difficult, though. Oh, of I course. mean, it's really hard. It's really hard. Yeah. If you're writing for, you know, a Shack News, especially. Well, I if you're no, I was for gonna, that's why I said outside of the entertainment press. I don't yeah, know if it's yeah. possible. I don't uh, to do yeah. that professionally while you're in the entertainment press. I think you have to. I don't think it is. Like, I, th- I think you have to be extra done a very good job of. They they crafted an entire site around yeah. Yeah. the exact things that they already like and around their personalities. Right. Mm-hmm. That said, their audience goes insane. When they oh, yeah. step too far, oh, out no, of it. No, in no. my experience, oh, yeah. I feel least, like when Patrick takes half a no, step outside of everything, it gets called a hipster. And there's there's down no there's audience. no getting away from it. Yeah, it's totally true. Yeah. I don't I don't think if they if they just stopped playing Bioshock and Fit and said like I'm not enjoying this at all. And but know, that's just the, the thing they that those guys did. Hillary, is, I mean, I think it would be a the, mess. That's not in their personality. That doesn't seem to be how those guys generally play right. games. Right. Yes. No, that's so, true. It's true. But there are certain things that they would say that they probably would not have been able to say as easily on Gamespot. That is true. Now they work for Gamespot. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> they don't officially... I mean, yeah, they, yeah. I know, there's, a, yeah. there's a line. But I mean, like, Gerstmann got crapped on by the yeah, GameSpot yeah, community yeah, for right. a lot of his review opinions, which he yeah. would probably not be crapped on at this point for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah. I think, I think there's there's space to experiment with it. I think... I mean, if I, I feel like if I was writing now, I would hope that I would try that. and But I know I would still be shit all over on the internet. And that's just a fact. Want to do one more? Let's please? do one more. Sure. Yeah, that's a good long one. Thanks for that email uh this is just randy a, this is just a psa here uh i don't know if this counts as a question dennis farrell says i'm sorry to be the barrel bearer of terrible news oh. jake but oh, good. the big dog team has created the new robotic horror and christened him with the unfortunate name of pet man oh i know about oh, pet yeah, man. he can oh, awkwardly yeah. flex and do weird squats he's more of a man than i'll ever be david <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wonderful videos. sign off david pet man videos are fucking terrifying his name's dennis dennis looks at david sorry that was a wonderful sign off wonderful sign off yeah. pet man dennis david <laughs> a gunshot <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks for my David, my pet man. <laughs> the, the, the amount of weird robot videos that I get sent at this point is all yeah, of them. Yeah. Whenever a new robot video comes out, my Twitter, like, at replies tab, just is like, yeah. hey, so yeah, I don't mind them, so feel free to just send me all of your robots. <laughs> you don't you, mind them. You, you came in this morning and, like, we're trying to build a robot on my desk out of strange monitor arms. We have <laughs> these monitor arms. I don't mind this. Those monitor arms, we have, we have monitor arms, like flexible arms for our monitors, and they look like Dr. Octopus tentacles. Um, yeah. Did I see that, that big dog screenplay that was floating around? Oh, God. What? Yeah, you sent me that. That's good. That's good. Anyway. Big Dog the movie. You love him. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's the <laughs> if secret. If the poster it's, is, it's, it's is part of Air Buds. If, if the poster is an illustration from one of those Big Dogs shirts, 
Oh, oh god. But it's actually just the robot. The robot version? Yeah. yeah. Nice. <laughs> Big dog of the movie. Same. Synergistic what? Synergistic what? Uh, okay, stop me if we've read this before, because I can't remember if we have. Uh, Nathan Gallardo says, sound design and player behavior. Hey, Thumbs, I'm finishing up my dissertation for music and sound, de- sound design degree in London. The central theme is how diegetic sound design can be used to facilitate immersive play experiences and encourages and encourage satisfying player-generated narratives in first person. I've written about Stalker in the past. It's my main focus, specifically how ambient sounds contribute to affecting the way the player behaves in the game world. The ga- Stalker's grim, oppressive ambience seems to instill general mistrust of the environment and the player, casting the world as an antagonist and in turn causing the player to move cautiously crouched, always expecting danger. I suspect that the ambient sound turned off, the approach to play will be radically different. I feel like this kind of stuff is largely underused, but I was wondering what your thoughts on it were, and if you have any particular favorites that do subtle player manipulation well. Love the podcast, guys. Keep up the good work. Cheers, Nate. I think that's a good, interesting observation. Yes. Yeah. I think diegetic sound is off, is actually just in general like underused in games mm-hmm. a lot of the time. I mean, other than just like creepy sounds, like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's a little different than what it's yeah, funny because I think it's Call of Pripyat. The thing, like, I, I always think about that game because of diegetic sound, but it's because of the moment early on when a dude just picks up a guitar and starts playing it. I love that. Yeah. I thought that was Chernobyl. Is that Call of Pripyat? I think it's that Chernobyl. happens in, Carl, in Call of Pripyat as well. Oh, yeah. I have a Chernobyl one as well. But yeah, that has nothing to do with what that guy was talking about because it does the exact opposite and makes you feel safe and like you want to hang out with those yeah, guys but that's, for a second. But the fact that that's contrasted right. with the yeah. environmental stuff yeah, is no, actually that, entirely effective. Yeah, the diegetic sound in that game, just the atmosphere. God, you know what's funny? Just coincidentally, I guess one of my favorite uses of diegetic sound in any game is from people who also worked on Stalker and went out and formed their own company and made that game Metro 2033, which is like completely different to Stalker. It's a completely different game. It's like a corridor shooter. It's really claustrophobic. It's totally different. But it also has these kind of hub areas where you walk through them and it's like it's way more polished than Stalker because it's all it's all linear. Um, but it's just incredible soundscape of like people talking and like people playing music and like shouting and uh, eating yeah, and drinking. And it's just yeah. it's just amazing. It's beautiful. Like the sound is sound design is just beautiful. The like Twenty-five minutes of Bioshock Infinite, where you're just inside of Columbia and it's a bustling city, and you're going yeah. You're yeah. inside. There's yeah. well, I mean, like there's the part with that. Oh, right, I right, just right. mean like when you're in the city proper for a minute, and there's yep. people wandering around. You there's the parade that goes by. Uh, you can walk in and out of the sort of hardwood, really enclosed stores, and just the way that the way that the soundscape worked oh, during no, yeah, that great. felt more like well, okay. It felt more like I was going to say like being in real life, but it actually feels like you're in Disneyland. It feels like Disneyland. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, yeah. It, fe- it, it feels like Disneyland, which is a place that exists in real life, but inside of a game. Like the way that that soundscape worked, right. like actually mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. my brain bought so much more of what was going on as being a constructive whole because of the way that just the crazy in-world sound mix was happening in that. They, oh, it was crazy. I don't feel like the sound was ever as strong as it was in that scene either because it just feels video game the rest of the time but i was it's just too much static. i've not i've not been struck by like good 3d sound mm-hmm. in the last couple of years you as intensely as i was in that and the xbox live game 19 battlefield 1943 uh wow the sound design in that game is absolutely incredible and so key to how you play because you're storming these really like large islands and you don't have a lot of the overpowered really like a uh, devastating weaponry that you'd have in what you think would be a 16 on 16 shooter. You basically have like an M1 Garand, a sniper rifle or a Tommy gun and you just pick one of those three. Yeah. Anybody has a knife that you can drive 
some vehicles, but you get in these really protracted long range firefights with just a few people sometimes, like two on two or like three on three or one on one. And you think you see somebody and you just hear these cracks of bullets yeah. going over your head. And it's so, oh God, I played so much of that game. Yeah. Strictly because of the sound design on being shot at and successfully shooting somebody else. Oh, so and you wanted those oak leaves. I need those sick oak leaves. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, yeah, that game. Well, also, like, just weirdly thinking back to Tribes, which mm. was, did a similar... And, like, every weapon in Tribes was so unique. And, like, you can just, like, just thinking of, like, the spin fuser. I don't, you guys probably haven't played a lot of Tribes. I played one. a ton of it. Did you play Tribes 1? That was the one I played the Dude, most of. Like, that, that very distinct, yeah. like, crack. Like, you could hear that across the map and just be like, oh, I know somebody's getting shot with a blue disc in the air. Like, and you <laughs> yeah. just, you know, like, every weapon had that, like, really distinct sound effect. And, and yeah, it was very similar to Battlefield. Now. God, you know what I, um, so I want to talk about two irrational games, actually. One of them is... Bioshock Infinite, and the other is System Shock 2. Um, so Bioshock Infinite, just because, Jake, you already brought it up, the thing, one of the things that I think is a really, specifically a cool kind of abuse of diegetic sound is, I already mentioned it, but I just think it's so goddamn good, is the, um, the you know, modern songs covered in period, in period style. Because those are all diegetic. Those are all in the world. Like the How Girls Want to Have Fun sort of calliope stuff, the God Only Knows barbershop arrangement, which is just so ridiculously beautiful. Um, those are so, to me, those are amazing because fictionally in the world, um, those w- would be totally unremarkable to the people hearing them. Like they would be completely like just transparent and totally unnoticeable, um, because they just sound like right. what anything else in that world, like the not crazy wor- version of that world would have been. But like to the player living in 2013, you hear that and you're like, what the hell is going on? And like, usually the, like the, the sound that calls attention to like, weirdness or unsettling like that often especially now in modern triple a games that so often is like some crazy like completely non-diagenic tortured metal sound right. or like some LFE, weird like, yeah like yeah. just something yeah. that like and Bioshock Infinite has that stuff as well to be honest but like but usually the things that clue you into weirdness are not things that to everyone in the world would just be 100% normal right but and, like, for you it gives you that the effect of the music yep. sort of making the scene twist a little bit yeah, yeah. 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 the girls just want to have fun on the beach was just because that takes a few seconds that, to you it, figure it, took it out me, it took me a while and, I, yeah. and then I was like what am I wait a minute this is a tune I know Oh shit! Yeah. Like yeah. that was amazing. that was also that was just like, like goddamn like that. So, just to call someone else out from Irrational, like um, Jim Bonney is the music director there. Like that guy's really good at his job and just a really cool, smart guy in general. And like I, I don't know if it was if he was the one who thought of putting girls just want to have fun in there, but goddamn, that is an inspired choice because you listen to the arrangement and it just sounds so convincingly like a like a goofy merry-go-round or like boardwalk mm-hmm. song. Um, until you realize what's going on. God, so good. Yeah. Anyway, um, System Shock 2, uh, one of my favorite things that I feel like no one else ever talks about. And like whenever I bring this up, people always, like no one seems to care. So maybe I'm just a weirdo for finding this so fascinating. But one of my favorite things about that game was, I don't know if anyone here has even played it. Yeah. Like maybe, yeah. Um, is the former, like, uh, essentially deposed uh, AI that kind of just, does the maintenance and runs the oh, ship yeah. Xerxes mm-hmm. like he's just this very bland like the poetry reading will be at like 1900 hours like it's but he's he's totally co-opted by this crazy alien hive mind and like his he'll start off with this very normal thing and he'll just sort of segue into like 
some crazy sentence about how you will be consumed. And like, it's just the, the complete mundanity with, with which mm-hmm. all of his lines are delivered. And like, the com- like just so unremarkably how he'll just, he'll go straight from like just the most standard. Sometimes he'll get through an entire thing and it's just a completely standard, like this is when maintenance is happening. And then sometimes it'll just end up in this weird place and there's nothing that calls attention to it, like overtly. Um, except for the words themselves. And like, I loved that. I thought it was amazing. Like I thought it, yeah. um, people don't talk about that, what a character ever, but I thought it was a great, great, great use of in world audio. That's true. Cool. Another funny use of in world audio in that game is Ken Levine being in that game <laughs> and just sounding like Ken Levine. It's pretty funny if you like know him or hear him in reviews and stuff. Yeah. And it's Cortez. The character is yeah, just yeah. Ken Levine. It's pretty I, cool. I hadn't, I actually didn't know that when I played through the first time when I went back, I didn't either. Cause I didn't know Ken YouTube, Levine the first I time like, I played ah, that game, but yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, those, that game has great sound too. That was uh, Eric Brosius and Terry Brosius. Oh. Restaurant has a really good history of good sound design. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yup. Games. Well, that just about wraps it up. Yeah, that was a big cast, wasn't it? I guess. One one. Yeah. Join us next week. That was your introduction to Idle Thumbs. Just your little kind of crash course. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you actually want. You want yeah. like just huge uh, chorus, oh, God. idle thumbs, <laughs> <laughs> like just that fucking garbage. Yeah. What are you doing? What are Why you, you burning this? God, this was no, gold. Never have the impact it would have had on Sean ever again. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's how it. podcasting works, idiot.